Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Today's message is Why Fish? Now, here's Bill Almack. Now, last week we talked about how Jesus called some followers on day one. Remember this? And, you know, Jesus said he had an agenda for them. And we might think that, you know, he was going to make them more holy or more spiritual or something. But Jesus said, no, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And they probably had no idea what that meant. They probably weren't interested in that. You know, what do you mean? We're going to catch men and skin them and put them on ice and sell them for six bucks a pound? What does that mean? Right? And chances are, when you and I became Christians, we weren't interested in that either. Right? Most of us become Christians for a very selfish reason. Um, You know, in my case, it was because eternal life sounded a whole lot better than eternal death. It wasn't rocket science. Sign me up for that one. Right? But sometimes we come to Jesus because we have a need. Uh, our marriage is failing. A job is going bad. There's an illness. There's something. There, maybe there's just an emptiness in your heart. And so we come to Jesus with these very selfish reasons. And, and God says, I'll help you with those things. I'm concerned about those things. But that's not the primary reason that he invites us to be to his family. He invites us to come to his family to fish, to tell others. He wants us to talk out loud, for those of you looking for loopholes, about Jesus, right? That's the primary reason that he calls us. It's not just so our prayers can be, bless me, bless me, bless me, protect me, protect me, protect me, help me, help me, help me, right? Now, he will help with those things, but that's not the primary reason. And some of us kind of put on the brakes there because we say, wait a minute, I didn't sign up for that. You know, I signed up because I wanted to go to heaven. I wanted to be a better person, a better mother, a better father, a better spouse. I wanted to be more financially secure, whatever. But I didn't sign up to fish, right? Why can't we just let everybody believe what they want to believe? I mean, most other religions don't send people out to go tell others. A lot of Christian churches don't send people out to tell others. Most Christians don't tell others. So why can't we just let people believe what they want to believe and God will sort it out at the end? Right? That'd be a lot easier that way. Because, you know, we have freedom of religion here. That also means freedom from religion. And so, you know, I just don't want to bother anybody with this. And just think how much easier our lives would be. Right? We wouldn't have to send money overseas. We wouldn't have to send money to our abundant giving things. We could just keep that money here and do something really useful with it, right? Like new guitars or something, right? But what Jesus said is basically, to follow me is to fish. He didn't come and ask us to follow him so that we could be a tender of services and prayers of prayers. He said, I want you to fish. And so if you've ever not wanted to do that, 
if you've ever thought that was too hard, too scary, and just sounds like a whole bunch of no fun, today's sermon is for you. And the message is, why fish? Why do we do this? What difference does it make? And we're going to look at something that happened to Peter and John, the first two fishermen that Jesus called. I want you to open your Bibles or your devices to Acts chapter 3. Acts is the fifth book in the New Testament. So we've got the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then there's the book of Acts. Uh, Acts stands for Acts of the Apostles. It tells what's happened in some of the first century church going on there. And we're going to look at a story that happens in uh, chapter 3 and 4. And we're going to go through the story kind of weird, because I'm going to give you the backstory of what happened in chapter 3, and then we're going to jump to the end of chapter 4 and work our way backwards through the story. Because, you know, why go in order? (laughs) Okay, so hopefully you're there. We're at Acts chapter 3. Um, and this story happens to, to Peter and John, and it's 3 p.m., and it's time to go to the temple for prayers. So the horns have sounded, the priests have called everybody to the temple, and all over Jerusalem people are headed to the temple for prayers. And Peter and John are amongst them, and they're going into the temple for prayers. And as they go through the gate, there's a lame man sitting there begging for money. And he's been lame his whole life. And I don't know if he's got like a guitar case there or something and he's trying to collect money or what's going on. But he's, you know, he's rattling his cup and saying, hey, you know, how about, how about some money? Help the lame guy out. Help a brother out. And Peter and John stop and turn and look at him. And the lame guy's got to be thinking, all right, I got their attention. Maybe I'll, I'll get some coins out of this. Maybe they'll help me. And look at what Peter says in Acts chapter 3, verse 6. Silver or gold I do not have. Well, great, buddy. Then just move along. Because you're like, you're stopping anybody else that can give me any money. Right? What are you going to give me? Advice? I don't need no advice. People have been giving me advice my whole life. If I were you, I'd do this. If I were you, I need some coins. Silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. The Bible tells us that instantly he felt strength in his legs. And he gets up and he starts to walk. And he starts to run. And he starts to jump. And he's praising God. And the image I have in my head... It's hard to describe, but, I, you know, this guy's just jumping around. Hey, woo, look at this, woo-hoo, you know. And he's jumping them down. Like, I can do jumping jacks, yeah, well, you know. Now, this is not how first century men behaved, and certainly not on the way into the temple. And he's making a big commotion. And people are looking at him, because people know him. He's been sitting by the gate every day of his life. Everybody, isn't that the lame guy? What's he doing running around? And Peter and John think, job done. And they turn and go into the temple for prayers. Well, after a few minutes, the lame guy notices that they're not around. So he goes running into the temple to look for them. Now remember, the temple is a huge place. It's meant to hold the whole assembly of everybody. It's like 67 acres. Okay? 
It's not like you walk in here and go, where's my friend? Oh, there they are. It's huge. And so this lame guy is running around looking for, you know, know, and he's running around looking for Peter and John. And people got to be going, did you see that? Wasn't that the lame guy? I think that was the lame guy. What what is he doing? Why is he running around? And meanwhile, he's running around looking for Peter and John. And finally he finds him and he latches on to Peter. And he's holding Peter. He's like, this is the guy. Look what he did. And everybody in the temple is just headed that direction. Peter looks around and says, hey, we got a crowd. Let's preach a sermon. So he launches into a sermon. Now, when we come and we are waiting for the preacher to preach, we think that they've spent some time, they've worked on an outline, maybe they've got a PowerPoint, funny illustration. Peter doesn't have any of that stuff. But I see this lame guy running around, and you did that. Talk to me. I want to hear about that. How did you do that? Right? And so Peter just launches into this sermon. Well, eventually, the temple uh, priests and officials notice, and they come over and go, what's the commotion? What's going on? And they find Peter and John preaching about Jesus in the temple. Now, Jesus was just crucified a couple of months ago. This has just happened. And they're trying to get everybody to stop talking about Jesus. And here's Peter and John talking about Jesus in the temple. And they're just like, duh! And they don't know what to do with them, so they throw him in jail. So that's what you get for healing the lame guy. You get a night in jail. Okay? No good deed goes unpunished, right? So... Acts chapter 4, verse 4 tells us, But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Good sermon. Wish I could preach a sermon like that. Okay? And I'm, I'm not going to go through that sermon, but you can read that. It's there in uh, Acts chapter 3 for you. All right? So the next day... All the elders get together, and they bring him out of jail, and they start talking to him, and um, a bunch of stuff happens. We're going to get back to that, but let's jump down to the bottom of the story. Acts chapter 4, four verse 18. Now, they pull him out of jail in the morning. They don't know what to do with him. Peter launches into another mini-sermon. They send him out of the room, and then they bring him back. And this is where we're going to catch back up with the story. Acts 4, verse 18, says, They called him in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Right? Stop it. Just stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. And if you don't stop it, we're going to get really mad. So stop it. Right? Isn't this the message of our society today? It's okay if you believe in Jesus. It's okay if you raise your kids to believe in Jesus. But don't talk about Jesus. 
Everybody's kind of okay with God. You can talk about God and a creator and, and there's a good God. But don't talk about Jesus. We don't want to hear about that. Continuing in verse 19 and 20. But Peter and John replied, What is right in God's eyes? To listen to you or to listen to him? Now doesn't this just harken back to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who are standing before King Nebuchadnezzar? They said, Listen, we don't answer to you. Our God can save us, but if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow. Peter and John say, Listen, What's what's right? To listen to you or to listen to God? You be the judges. You do what you got to do. You be the judges. As for us, we cannot stop speaking about what we have believed. Does it say that? Uh Uh-uh. Does it say we can't stop talking about our theology? We can't stop talking about our new religion? Nope. It says we can't stop talking about what we saw and what we heard. We were eyewitnesses to this. I don't understand it all. I don't know what happened. I can't tell you the science. I don't understand all the theology. But I'm telling you, I saw this. And I can't stop talking about it. Now, this is really an interesting interchange between these guys. Because they're talking to these religious leaders. And... Their belief systems line up almost 100%. Right? These, these Jewish officials and leaders, they believe, you know, Abraham was the father of the Jews and all the Old Testament stuff. They all believe all that that's all good stuff. Uh, they respect the temple. Uh, I mean, their beliefs really, really line up. But Peter and John want to add Jesus. That's, that's kind of really the only difference. That they want to add Jesus. And, and this causes this big flare up. Right? And so they're saying, listen, we saw what we saw. We heard what we heard. We watched Jesus get crucified. We, we stuck our head in an empty tomb. Jesus appeared to us afterwards. We can't stop talking about this. What happened is undeniable. See, they didn't go off into the corner and make something up. They didn't go off and say, you know, we've got this Old Testament. And it's old. It's moldy. What we need is the new and improved Testament. Right? And they didn't make up a bunch of stuff. They didn't come up with a new religion. They didn't make up a new theology. They're talking about what they saw and what they heard. They're talking about an event in history. And and that hits right at home with many of us. Because sometimes when we think we're going to talk about Jesus, we think that that's going to turn into some kind of debate on comparative religions. And we're going to be, well, I believe this, and you believe that, and you believe this, and I believe that, and what about this, and how does that compare to that, and how are you going to... And pretty soon, somebody's going to ask a question you don't know the answer to. And nobody wants to be there, right? Well, you don't even know what you believe. 
And, and Peter and John are going, listen, this is not about what we believe. This is about what we saw and what we heard. And we can't stop talking about it. So, what did they see and hear that was so important? That they would risk jail later in their lives? They would risk their lives for it? They wouldn't quit talking about it? Well, they answer that question up above when Peter launches into his many sermons. So let's go back to the top of Acts chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. So this is in the morning. They've spent the night in jail. It says, The next day the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest family. Now, there's a little bit of history here you've got to understand. Annas is technically not the high priest right now in this moment in history. Annas was the first high priest appointed by the Romans after the Romans invade, and they set up the Roman province of Judea. They really were creative in their names. Okay, This used to be Judea, so now it's the Roman province of Judea. And they set up Annas as the high priest. That happens in about 6 A.D. He rules for about 10 years, and in 15 A.D. he's removed from office. But nepotism is alive and well in first century Judea, and he has five sons and a son-in-law. And so they start taking turns being the high priest. And at this particular moment in time, Caiaphas is the high priest. Remember, Caiaphas was the high priest when Jesus was uh, crucified, right? And this is only a few short months later. Caiaphas is still the high priest. But everybody knows who's in charge. It's Annas. And it's just these guys are just puppet high priests doing what Annas wants. And look who's there. Annas, Caiaphas, his son-in-law. We don't really know who John and Alexander are, but they were probably related because it says, and others of the high priest family. So who's there? Everybody related to Annas. Just the family. The familia has gotten, right? It's like, you know, the, the Judean mob or something. I, I don't know, okay? And largely, this is the same group of men that would have stood there the night Jesus was crucified. Okay? So what do you think Peter and John think their odds are this morning? Not good. Right? I mean, if you can take out the lead guy, you can take out us. Right? So they all get together. Verse 7. They had Peter and John brought before them. They began to question them. And they asked the stupidest question in the history of the world. By what power or name did you do this? Well, you just threw us in jail for the night for talking about Jesus. What do you think we're going to say? Right? See, they can't deny what happened because that lame guy is still standing there going, Look, they still work. Check it out. I have a picture of somebody kind of like Jack Black, you know, 
in, in Nacho Libre when he's dancing around, you know, and he's doing all those weird... That's what I see this lame guy doing, right? He's just like, look at these, these work, man. Because he is tickled to death. And you can't deny what happened. He's standing there. And so I would have gotten in trouble because I would have answered smartly, as you just saw. But Peter did better. Verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame, and we are being asked how he was healed. Right? He's just sticking the knife in. Right? What are you, you're calling us up here because we were kind to somebody? Really? Like, like, don't you have any real problems you got to worry about today? We were nice to somebody. That's a problem? He says, we're being asked how he was healed. Then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Christ, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And, and Peter kind of really nails it down. He doesn't just say Jesus, right? He says Jesus Christ. Remember, Christ is not his last name. Christ means the Messiah. So just in case there's multiple Jesuses, it's the one who claims to be the Messiah. And just in case there's multiple Jesuses claiming to be the Messiah, it's the guy from Nazareth. I've limited this down to only one person. And I bet when he said that name, it got really quiet. Because those men had been in the presence of Jesus. And they knew good and well who he was. Then he gives them a memory check. Who you crucified? Remember? Caiaphas, you were there. Remember? but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Listen, they're telling them, this is not some new theology we came up with. This is not some new religion or belief system that we came up with. We were there. We saw this event. We saw you kill Jesus. We saw the empty tomb. We saw him risen again. And guess where he is? He's at the right hand of God. And his power is still here. And that's what did this. And that message was not lost on that group of men standing there. And Peter goes on. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Now, that part there that's in quotes, that comes from Psalms 118.22. And that is probably a text that most Jewish boys would have had to have learned. Because it was part of the prophecy of the Messiah. And they studied the prophecy of the Messiah. They were waiting for the Messiah for 4,000 years. And... And they knew this text because it talks about how the Messiah 
would be rejected, but God would make him a cornerstone. Imagine a stonemason who's building a house and he, he picks up a stone and he looks at it and he tra- checks it out. and Where can he use it? How will it fit? And for some reason, it's rejected. It's the wrong size. Maybe it's got some kind of weakness in it that makes it look like it won't hold the weight. And so it gets tossed onto the trash heap. It's rejected. But God picked that stone up and said, this is my cornerstone. Everything I'm going to do from here on out is based on this. Do you get what's happening here? I'm sure they did. It says, the stone... You builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Now that second line to them was new information. Because when he said, there's no other, no one else by which you are saved, they're like, you're not saved by somebody. See, you're saved by what you do. And we've got this big long list of do all these things and don't do all these things. And you're saved by how well you do the do's and how well you don't do the don'ts. Right? It's performance driven. When you're good, you can go to heaven. And it's about how many sacrifices you offer. And it's about how many times you go to the temple to pray. And it's about how much offerings you give. And it's about how well you do this list and how well you don't do this list. And that's how you get to heaven. Peter goes, i got news for you. Salvation is found in no one else where there is no other name given to mankind by which we must be saved. I imagine them just standing there shell-shocked. I don't even know how to answer that. And Peter's saying, listen, Caiaphas, you're going to be famous. Because you are that prophecy. And you rejected Jesus. And from here to the end of eternity, they're going to remember your name. Congratulations. And that was not good news. And they knew it. They knew it. They understood that. Right? Verse 13 says, And when they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with who? Jesus. See, they didn't come to him and say, you know, this is because we're better than you, or we've got a higher IQ than you, or or we know stuff you don't know. Our theology is better than your theology. This is what we saw. And this is what we heard. And we can't stop talking about it. It's just that simple. It's just that simple. Now, 
Why do we have to fish? See, you can't work out this story on your own. You can't go into a room with a big blackboard and start writing down a proof. You know, this, then this, because of that, then this, therefore salvation. You can't figure this out. See, and if you try to figure it out on your own, you'd probably get partway there. You could probably come up with the fact that there's a God. You could probably figure out that there's a good God, and that the good God lives in a good place, and that the good God lives in a good place with good beings around Him. And maybe if I'm good, I can get there too. And that's about all you can figure out on your own. And that's about where most religions get. Old Testament Judaism, that's how far they got. The Koran, that's how far they got. The Book of Mormon, that's how far they got. And we could go on and on and on. Because that's how far you get. Christianity is the only religion, certainly the only prominent religion, that has at its core that God came, was born, lived a sinless life, died, rose, and is at the right hand of God. We are the only people that say that. And you can't figure that out on your own. Because it's about an event that happened. How do you learn about history? Somebody tells you. Right? They may have written it in a book. They may have put it in a movie. They may talk to you. But somebody tells you. And that's what we have to tell people. See, the good news is not that good people go to heaven. Everybody believes that. And everybody thinks, I'm good. (laughs) Right? Because we can all find somebody, you know, I'm not as bad as that guy, so I'm good, I'm going to heaven. And that's what everybody believes. That's not the good news. The good news is that forgiven people go to heaven. That's the good news. That's, see, you're not good enough to get there on your own. But the good news is, forgiven people get to go to heaven, get to go to heaven, because they are the ones that understand that Jesus is the name by which we are saved. Our faith is grounded in an event that happened in history. And the only way anybody else is going to know is if we tell them. Real quick, I know I'm a couple minutes over, but real quick. You guys know who Penn and Teller is? Yeah? I may have, I don't know, I may have told this story before, but you know, Penn is the bigger guy. Teller is the little guy that doesn't talk. And they do comedy and, and magic acts and stuff. And Penn's quite, a, quite an intelligent man, and he used to have, and he, he may still have, but I don't follow him anymore, um, on his social media channels, he would post videos about different things he was thinking about, talking about. And not surprisingly, he's an atheist. He lives in a world where the goal is to fool people, to trick people, to make them think something happened that didn't happen. 
And so he needs a lot of proof before he will believe in God. Because he doesn't want to be fooled. I can understand that. But one time on one of his videos, he was talking about Christians who had been talking to him, trying to convince him to be a Christian. And when he was talking about one guy, he says, one guy almost convinced me. And he said, you know, I, I don't have a problem with Christians proselytizing. Right? That's a $2 word. It means talk about Jesus. Okay? He says, I don't have a problem with Christians proselytizing. Because some people might not like that, but I don't respect Christians who won't tell others. He goes, imagine that you believe that you can have eternal life in this really cool, amazing place with God, and it's free. How much do you have to hate somebody to not tell them that? How much do you have to hate somebody to not tell them that? Because I don't have a problem with Christians trying to tell me that. And I don't respect the people who don't tell me that. And sometimes we get worried that people are going to think bad things about us because we talk about Jesus. Oh well, I don't hate anybody that much. That's why we have to fish. That's why we have to tell people. Amen? I couldn't do this sermon and not end with giving some people here an opportunity to make a decision. Because you may have never heard this message before. Maybe you're still trying to figure out what it's all about. Listen, it's not about having all the answers. I don't have all the answers. There are skeptics I can't answer. There are questions I can't answer. And I don't understand it all. But that's not the issue. The issue is, do you believe that Jesus died for your sins and rose again? If you want to make that decision... And you haven't made that decision today. I'm going to give you an opportunity during the prayer to make that decision. And either way, if you want to learn more, fill out one of these cards. They're there in front of you in the pew. Let me know. Please put how to contact you. I got one of these once. Just had a name on it. I I need a phone number, an email or something so I can contact you. Um, Let us know. Whether you decide it or not, let us know. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for this event that happened in history. Thank you so much for the eyewitnesses that we had that were brave enough to tell others, that were brave enough to fish so that we could know, that were brave enough to write it down, even at the point of their own health and freedom and even lives, Lord. Help us to tell other people, Lord. We don't want to hate anybody so much that we won't tell them. And for those of us that maybe need to make a decision, all you have to do is say, Lord, I believe. And I accept it. I accept Jesus into my heart. I don't know all the answers. 
I don't know all the theology. I don't know all the science. But I believe that Jesus died for my sins and rose again. Be with us now. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you have been blessed by this message from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. You can find more messages at www.downeychurch.org. God bless.